1: Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. My name is Jeff and I will not be your host today, uh, but we'll get to that in just a moment. Joining me in the studio are Neil, Matt, and Ken. How are you guys doing today?
2: Hey, what's up? Yeah, I'm doing good.
3: Yeah, I'm awake, breathing.
1: That's a good sign.
3: It's a little later uh, start than usual, so that's nice.
0: Yeah, it is a later start. So we, ha- we all had a very late night uh, last night. We were all, you know, partying on uh, Bourbon <laughs> Street in New Orleans, so... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Celebrating uh, Drew Brees uh, going to the Super Bowl.
2: Mm-hmm. Chucking those beignets around.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, A little Café du Monde mm. action.
1: <laughs> I didn't understand any of that, but we're going to just accept that uh, all that's true.
0: I'm just assuming this is going to come out right near Christmas, <laughs> New Year. Air- yeah, probably. Time. Somewhere in there. So we're just calling Drew Brees, Drew Brees taking the Saints to the Super Bowl.
1: All right. Fair enough. So uh, I'm glad you guys are doing well. I'm going to introduce our host, uh, Addie Lewis. Uh, so, Eddie, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do?
4: Hi it's great to be back. Um, I was up a contestant on the show just recently, actually. In fact, so recently that as of recording this, my episode hasn't come out, so I haven't had the chance to hear it yet. <laughs> um, as you can tell from my accent, I am from Scotland. I'm a quiz addict, a quiz host. Um, this is the first time I've done anything quite like this. Uh, but I do run one of my quizzes internationally, called Addie's Proxy Pub Quizzes. APPQ, which you can find on Facebook and also on Patreon if anyone's interested. It's literally a British pub quiz that I send out uh, by email on Facebook.
1: Nice. Very cool. Yeah, and welcome back. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. So, uh, yeah, uh, if you are interested, yeah, uh, Eddie already told you where you can find his uh, quizzes, which is pretty cool. And if you want to support him like you do us, uh, he mentioned his Patreon. Uh, Eddie's proxy pub quizzes, uh, Patreon, I think. Yeah, yeah. as
0: little as a, a dollar a month, you can uh, join. Dollar, a dollar a day. Yeah, a dollar a day, as I say, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can be an ambler at dollar uh, a month for Addie, You can be a roamer at $3. Or you can be a wanderer, which I like uh, because of the song The Wanderer. So you can be that for $5 a month.
4: Mm-hmm. Just all that one gives songs you bonus today. rounds. Three Bo- bonus rounds a month for that oh,
3: Nice. I'm feeling a little wanderlust right now.
1: Yeah, there you go.
3: You know who else might be feeling it? It's the rules guy. Ooh, he's he's on the road. So let's toss it to the rules guy.
1: The Queen will rise to the top, oh yeah.
0: You know what? Uh I did read an article in Variety recently that uh a Star Is Born was actually not a remake of the three previous films, but it was about the rules guy becoming the rules guy. <laughs> That's what I heard. Yeah. And
3: uh just just coming here to take a better look at you
0: Yeah, exactly. What,
3: what's he say? He goes,
0: uh he goes hey. And she goes, What? And he goes, just wanted another look at you.
1: <laughs> That's a
3: little creepy.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So uh, I think uh, if we're ready, without further ado, uh, Eddie, I know you said you had some changes to uh, the show a little bit, at least some surprises, so uh, if you want to let us know about any of those format changes or uh, maybe hint at a few spoilers ahead, uh, feel free to do so and then kick it off whenever you're ready.
4: No problem, thank you very much. Uh, It's going to be a standard game in terms of the structure, usual triviality format. You can tell by my accent before that I'm actually Scottish, uh, and the big saltire behind me kind of evidences that, but I'm (laughs) ethnically English. And as you can tell, I've retained my natural English accent, which I have decided to work into some of the questions, which will hopefully increase the entertainment value of the game. (laughs) Entertainment is my main focus because, fair warning, it is quite a difficult game by normal triviality standards.
3: Well, without further ado, let's rock and roll.
4: Question one. What was the first man-made object capable of breaking the sound barrier?
0: All right. Man-made object, breaking the sound barrier. While we're thinking, Matt, uh, what's our team name?
2: Mm. Oh, I don't know. Because we were
0: Happy Meal, we were Sad Meal. Yeah. yeah. All right, we're in. Uh, we'll oh, generic, they're in. But yeah. Uh, all right, breaking the sound barrier. Yeah. While we're thinking of a team name, but uh, it's the um, it's the, the dude who is the, uh, oh, man, Usain, astronaut. Usain Bolt. Usain Bolt, yeah. It was le- a pair of Jamaican <laughs> legs. Um, <laughs> it was the that the uh, uh, fighter jet. Uh-huh. And uh, the airplane, I can't remember who did it. It was uh, not Scott Glenn, Scott Glenn. (laughs) Actor Scott Glenn took a break from being in in films to break the sound barrier.
3: Well, actually, in that movie, The Right Stuff, uh, Scott Glenn played uh, Alan Shepard. Yeah. And Harris played Glenn. That's right. But Shepard played the guy that you're thinking of. Yeah, (laughs) Jet
2: plane? some sort of aircraft like a we'll say aircraft until he says be more specific okay we're gonna lock in with that and if he doesn't then we're wrong
3: <laughs> i'm gonna let jeff handle this one because he came up with it
2: um
1: so you guys were you i, I think you're way too recent in what you're thinking mm. um we settled in object right uh so we settled in on the classic whip because the end that? of a bull whip will break the speed of sound
4: Very well done. That is indeed a whip. I love asking this question. I love hearing this question because of hearing different people's reasoning around it. People, sometimes you'll think immediately to modern technology, you'll Mm -hmm. think uh, supersonic jets and the like. If you're trying to get a bit clever about it, you might think earlier and think of a bullet or something Mm -hmm. like that. But no, the crack that a whip makes is indeed a sonic boom. It's breaking the sound barrier.
1: Uh, the gentleman you were thinking of, the first person to man, first man to break Chuck the, Yeager. He's Chuck Yeager, yeah, to break uh, the sound barrier. That's bearing. right. Ah, the inventor, he from Jeff. The he inventor was on a,
0: of uh, Yeager bombs. He
1: was on a rocket sled, I believe, at that
4: point. Right, question two. This is American history. The Missouri Compromise was 1820 legislation that admitted Missouri to the United States as a slave state. In order to maintain the delicate balance of power at the time, which other state was admitted as part of the same legislation mm. as a free state? This state became the 23rd state to join the union, with Missouri itself being the 24th the next year.
0: Um, not. By the way, I think our team name should be Whip It, since we yeah. we, we screwed that one up. You you're, you're in already? No. Oh, okay. well, you you're, if it? you're Whip It, we're going to be Jago Bomb. Okay. Oh, this is a broy episode. <laughs> this is great. Um, yeah. What do you think?
2: Do you have any ideas? I, I mean, I have an I have an idea. Okay. Yeah, let's do that. Okay, all right, we locked in.
3: Yeah, yeah. I immediately thought Nebraska, maybe Kansas, but I think Kansas was—I'm pretty sure—a slave state. Um,
1: I think so because that's where John Brown was. John yeah. Brown was in Kansas. Yeah. Can't beat it. I don't think you're far off. So I'm—I've
2: got nothing better. Nebraska. Yeah. So we locked in with Colorado.
4: I am afraid there are no points mm. on this one. The the correct state is actually Maine.
0: Maine. Oh wow, we're in the wrong Maine, area. Uh, Mm -hmm. Written by Stephen King.
4: Question three from American history to American sports. So in March 2018, which ice hockey team became the first NHL team ever to draft a player born and trained in England? Mm. His name was Liam Kirk, and he was the 189th pick in the draft. For a bonus point each, name either team which earlier drafted a Scottish born and trained player. One was picked in 1986, and the other in 2000. I can offer you a clue on this one if you want. Sure,
3: clue. It is
4: a it is a uh, team from the contiguous United States. Okay, oh. is the main answer.
3: So no senators. All right, I have a guess. In locked
2: in. <laughs> I'll defer it again. We're locked in. You know, I'm just been thinking about gritty a lot lately, uh, <laughs> and I just think that maybe they're a progressive team. You know, they got a progressive mascot. They're taking looking across the pond. Uh, I'm going with the Flyers. What about for our bonus point? Uh, let's go with uh, the Sabres Okay.
4: there's two bonus point opportunities there's two teams that draft the Scottish player oh, we'll you go... can pick a second team if you want
2: Okay. The in 2000 I'll say was the Avalanche alright so
3: for our main answer we're just going to guess uh, the Nashville Predators uh, for the others let's just say the Boston Bruins and um, let's go with the Ducks the Mighty Ducks
4: I'm afraid this... I wasn't sure how difficult this would play out. Naturally, this did make the news um, in the UK after... Because uh, mm-hmm. of a rare incident of an English player being called. The answer for the main question is actually the Arizona Coyotes.
2: Oh.
4: I hired Leon Kirk. He's now playing... Uh, he was picked quite highly in the Canadian draft. So he's not actually playing in the NHL. Mm-hmm. For the bonuses... Uh, actually, one of the bonuses was Canadian. I see that was the Edmonton Oilers in 86... Uh, And it was the Philadelphia Flyers for Uh. one of the Scottish players in 2000. All right. Okay. Question number four. Due to its high levels of certain isotopes, which fruit is the most radioactive? Mm. It gives its name to an informal measure of radiation exposure called the fruit name equivalent dose. Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, I think we're we're in. in. I think we're locked in because I've heard Jeff make this joke about seven times. I'm pretty sure I got it.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like him. Yeah.
0: Well, we are in with banana. Uh, We are also in with banana.
4: Points all around it. It is indeed the banana. (laughs) Banana On the board.
0: You're welcome. Yep, Jeff. Jeff. High levels of potassium. Jeff will grab a banana, and every time I I hear it and I I enjoy it, he goes, uh, I guess I'm going to get my uh, my radiation take for today,
1: (laughs) or whatever he says. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Question number five is normally the listener-submitted question. In this time... but this time around, I borrowed it from another co host At the same venue where I host uh, So shout out to Keith and Dalbeety, Even though he will never hear this This is in music In 1999, which country music star Proved extremely difficult to impress?
3: Uh, we are We are locked in over here Alright, so that song uh, Was that Shania Twain? That
1: Don't
2: mm-hmm. Impress Me Much? Yeah, Shania Twain, right? I think so,
1: yeah
3: Alright,
2: we're in with Shania Twain yeah, it's uh, Shania Twain.
4: It is indeed Shania Twain, yes. Being Brad Pitt, a rocket scientist, and mm-hmm. having a car don't impress her much.
0: What do you got to do, you know? Yeah, what do you have to do to impress Shania Twain? Although I guess she's very impressive herself, though. Isn't she like the number one selling, mm-hmm. one of the number
3: one selling artists of all time releasing in country? Mm-hmm. I think Shania Twain and the She Likes Me for Me, Hey Leonardo guy should get together. <laughs> that would be, um. Yes. And so, after five questions, uh, it's not been too brutal yet. We have 30 points over at Jaegerbomb, And uh, what was your Whippet? Whippet. Mm -hmm. Team Whippet Whippet has uh, 20 points.
4: Okay, question six. This is a question I have to say that is quite personal to me. I've got a bit of a story after this one. In 2013, which actor was the subject of a series of videos on Vine in which he was depicted as refusing to eat his cereal?
2: Mm. Yeah. Yeah,
3: okay. We're locked in. I'm trying to think of, like, a joke. Uh, Chris Walken? Sure. All right. No he likes to hide watches places, but uh <laughs> perhaps he also doesn't like to eat his cereal. Chris Walken. Uh this one
0: uh i was interested to see that Ken didn't get it, uh, just because if there was a if there was one person that I think he would want to watch refuse cereal with a uh a smirk and not a lot of head movement, it would be Ryan Gosling. So we locked in with Ryan Gosling.
3: Oh yeah, I do remember this now. Okay, I remember it.
4: It is indeed Ryan Gosling. And this one is quite personal to me, as I said, because the creator of those videos was actually a friend of mine. Uh, His name was Ryan McHenry. He was a guy from where I'm from, Dumfries in South West Scotland. And he very sadly died of cancer in 2015, aged just 27, uh, two days after he celebrated his 10,000th day alive. Uh, I think that Neil would have gotten on really well with Ryan because he was uh, an amateur filmmaker and he is credited as the writer in a film that's going to be released uh, just very shortly. So I think by the time that this episode goes out uh it may well actually be out in the cinema uh, it's called Anna and the Apocalypse
0: oh yeah I've heard great things about that yeah on
4: the award-winning short a zombie musical which is basically mm-hmm. sort of a parody take on high school musical but with <laughs> zombies um which I think you should definitely check out it's already been nominated for awards it looks like it's going to be really amazing and I think it's a fantastic tribute to mm-hmm. Ryan's legacy
0: and it's you awesome. said he wrote that film
4: he is credited as a writer he wrote um Zombie musical. He won a, a Scottish BAFTA award for uh, to basically the British equivalent of the Oscars, pretty much, um, as a short for Zombie musical. And I believe that Ryan's credit is as a writer on and in Apocalypse. Yes,
0: Ryan McHenry. Yeah, my uh, my friend who's a producer just uh, raved about that to me in a text message. He said it was a great movie. Saw it at a film festival. So um, we'll have to check that one out. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: Question seven. In an early episode of The Simpsons, Bart has a test to do and he hasn't read the book. He starts writing a description of the book based on its title. Hmm. I'm going to give you what Bart writes, and I'd like you to tell me the title of the book. So here goes: the story of a Russian farmer and his tool.
2: Yeah, I'm a wee lacking with this. Okay.
3: All right, so um, yeah, I'm I'm just trying to think of uh, farming implements. Yeah. Shovel that I can work into a, a right, book title. Right. Catcher in the rye.
1: Yeah, maybe.
2: Let's see. Um, Sounds farming adjacent.
3: Yeah, let's say Catcher in the Rye.
2: Yeah, so the book is—it's just a—it's got a Russian name and it has a sickle on it, which is the farmer's tool, which I think is—that's um, what I
3: was thinking it was like
2: the communist, communist Papers mani- or Communist Manifesto. Yeah, or but Marxist. I think I think it's Crime and Punishment. So we're gonna lock in with Crime and Punishment.
4: I am afraid there are no points on this mm. one. It it is actually. The book is Ivanhoe. Mm. Oh,
2: yeah,
0: yeah. oh, that makes sense.
4: Yeah, and there's a bit of personal significance there uh. because a, because a large part of this book is actually set in a town called Ashby de la Zouche down in the middle of England, and that's actually where I grew up, and that's where my English accent comes from. There's oh. a big tournament there, a uh, heavily disguised Robin Hood features in it. Uh, there's a big, a big tournament, and there's a black knight, and all that sort of stuff goes on down in that town. And yeah, that's the setting for the book Ivanhoe, which is what Bart thinks the book is about. Question number eight is a question about Scottish art. English technically, because the artist was English, but still, this is a question about Scottish art. In the Edwin Lancier painting, The Monarch of the Glen, what animal is the main subject?
3: Do you know I am very unfamiliar now. with this, Perfect. but that would be my guess.
1: I mean, who would rule the Glen?
2: No idea. That's not the like real it. answer. Oh, uh, so okay. So, yeah. I wrote I wrote Scottish Terrier to be a jerk, but I think that well, I mean, might not be wrong.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, Monarch of the Glen makes me think of butterfly, mm-hmm. but if we don't have to be that specific, I mean,
2: butterfly is pretty vague. Yeah, I mean, it could
0: be insect, or do you think it's just something like a dog?
2: I don't, I don't think anything. I, we're just guessing. We're just guessing.
0: <laughs> uh, I'm just thinking from a clue standpoint, if he says you don't have to be that specific, so what type of animal would cover a lot of bases? Right, but...
2: and that's why something like a dog or a cat or whatever seems like the most likely. So do you want to just say dog? Yeah, I like dog. You like dog? <laughs> dog, dog, good. Yeah, locked in with dog.
3: Uh, we also kind of had no idea, so we're just kind of picking an animal that's sometimes associated with Scotland and going with sheep.
4: I'm afraid on this one you possibly needed to understand that Glen is more as a term relating to the Scottish countryside, mm-hmm. um, and so the animal is actually a deer or a mm. stag specifically. Uh. The title of the painting is technically inaccurate because a monarch deer, in deer terminology, has 16 points on its antlers, whereas this in this painting it only has 12, which technically makes it a royal. I think Royal of the Glen doesn't quite have the same ring to it. You could probably recognise the painting if you saw it because it has been used in a lot of advertising. It became kind of a cliché of Scottish countrysides for quite a long time in the 19th century. Question number nine. This is another difficult one, I must admit. What unique characteristic is held by the McDonald's restaurant in Lindvall in Sweden? I'm sure the Olympic athlete Michael Edwards would like to visit, although if you invited him, he'd almost certainly be late.
0: Let's go with the first one. Okay. Reluctant. Okay. So I I could be way off, but I remember watching like a Vox video or one mm-hmm. of those like two minute Facebook videos or something uh, about a McDonald's that's on a hill in snow and it's like a snowmobile to yeah. get up to it.
2: There's, there's a definitely a, uh, there was like a travel channel special that was yeah. like the 10 most unique McDonald's. And I'm sure that this <laughs> one was on there. And I yeah, think that's, like I actually one in Arizona.
0: Yeah. In <laughs> Sedona. That's the one. That, this is what I remember. Yeah. It's on, it's like on the snow and you have to either ski or snowmobile up to the drive through.
2: We could say it's on a mountain. On a ski site, hill. On a ski hill. Locked in.
3: And we're kind of picking some, something similar. Like it's kind of inaccessible, but we went with surrounded by water.
4: Hmm. I think I actually will give the points here to Neil and Matt because he okay. clearly knew what it was, and it clearly uh, was. You actually, yeah, I think you took it from the. You saw it on the same list that I did, um of these ten most unique McDonald's restaurants. Um, Michael Edwards is better known as Eddie the Eagle. He was the famously oh. bad British ski jumper, oh. <laughs> uh, who was so bad he came last at the 1988 Olympics, and he was so bad that the Eddie the Eagle rule. Uh, which tightened qualification standards, was implemented to ensure that no one could repeat it.
2: (laughs) How embarrassing.
4: Uh, But it is the, officially, I would say, it's the only ski-through McDonald's restaurant. Right, question number 10 is the obligatory James Bond question. I'm probably going to stop doing these because of how obnoxious James Bond is. But anyway, here we go. James Bond is usually a very violent man, but there are occasional exceptions. In which official James Bond film do the fewest people die? It's also the film in which Bond himself kills the smallest number of people. Hmm. Only six people yeah. die in the entire film.
2: I knew it was less than ten. So it's got to be an older one, you would think. Everyone dies in these newer ones. Things are blowing up all the time. Daniel Craig's a murderer, right? Is it?
0: Oh, is he a murderer? I don't know. He
2: kills a lot of people, yeah. Yeah, he's always killing.
1: I think we can all... I'm not spoiling anything to say we can rule out all the Pierce Brosnan movies. Yes, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> there's yeah there's like i think He's that a monster yeah. that one actually may have the most kills okay what were you thinking
0: so initially when he read the question you think pierce brosnan too many people died in those movies mm-hmm. out i think there's there might be a daniel craig one where there's not that many and i'm trying to think of it right now but i wrote down um initially on her Majesty's secret service a uh, different bond a little bit kind of a different movie but uh I, I don't know i was trying to decide if it was more than connery would have been um, and then I wrote down Moonraker because he's on a contained ship. Uh, I also wrote
2: Moonraker. Everyone on the ship could
0: have died if it blew up, uh, but maybe he only killed... I, I can't remember if Jaws dies in that one or not. Um, but uh, thinking about it, what came to me, though, is I believe, and I could be way off here, and I apologize if we don't get points, but I think The Man with the Golden Gun, only like however many he said, six people died. Mm-hmm. It's a very low-kill movie, especially for Roger Moore because he, there's a lot of deaths in those movies. Okay. Because so. I think he he himself only kills... Um, Christopher Lee uh, and like two other people and it's really small.
2: Okay. So it's going the man with the golden gun.
3: Yeah, that's my guess.
2: All right. Locked in
3: Um, man with the golden gun was our second option. Um, but I seem to remember only six people getting killed by bond in casino Royale. Um, the two people he kills to get his, uh, double O status, the, uh, the bomb maker, the two, uh, assassins in the stairwell and, uh, the guy that he beats in the poker game that he knifes in the body expo. that That's the six I count. Um, so I'm going to go on Casino Royale.
4: The slight problem with the logic on Casino Royale is the entire ending sequence in Venice. Uh, unfortunately, there's a lot more people die in that scene. Uh, speaking of Goldeneye, uh, interestingly, in the tank chase through St. Petersburg, the authorities were very insistent that no one be seen to die in that scene. So it's why you see every single policeman gets off out of their cars and the authorities also had to issue some sort of television broadcast to confirm that the that St. Petersburg itself was not being destroyed. Apparently the set <laughs> was that realistic. Uh, people started panicking. Uh, check out the big brain on Neil, however, who has got the logic bang on. It is indeed the man with the golden gun. Wow. Yeah, Six sorry, people Jeff. die in the film. Four killed by Scaramanga. Um, the maintenance man is killed by Mary Goodnight. And Francisco Scaramanga himself is killed by Gene, by Bond alone. That's the only person who dies by Bond's hands in that film so well
1: done thank you i I had immediately written down golden gun but it's been so long since i've seen it i couldn't count Mm -hmm. any of them for sure the thing that reminded me of that though was i remember having a thought when i was younger and playing golden eye and the golden gun is just so ridiculously power overpowered i remember thinking wait the movie that this comes from kills no one mm-hmm. like
0: <laughs> yeah. i was just trying to pull a ken when there's a president's question I, I was going through each movie that's why it took me a minute when i got to that one i was like oh yeah i don't think that many people
3: die in that one all right all right at the end of the first round it looks like uh whip it is pulling ahead with 50 points and uh Jagerbaum is kind
2: of kind of lingering a little mm-hmm. bit we got 30 points so far Whipit, good we'll see how <laughs> the second half goes hopefully whip it better <laughs> yeah
3: on to the swing round
4: Ah, yes, the swing round, the one that I've been looking forward to slash dreading for quite some time. This should be quite amusing, if nothing else. This is the only British-based round in this quiz, and it is a round I'm glad I haven't seen done so far on the show. It is all about William Shakespeare, Mm. specifically quotes from William Shakespeare. Now, you may have seen on my Facebook over the last day or two, I was slightly concerned about losing my voice. For this round because i thought we would be ashamed to waste my english accent on simply reading these quotes i am going to attempt to act them out excellent <laughs> and i have to say i have no acting talent whatsoever when we did the wizard of Oz* in high school i played the title character because it was a musical and i can't sing <laughs> that's a show i remember more because the actress who played dorothy cheated on her boyfriend with the actor who played the tim man
2: oh
3: oops so, yes yeah, so, so he's saying he didn't have so, a heart okay. so Addie has just pulled out a skull and he's hoisting it high in the air
4: so what i'm going to do here is i'm going to give you nine quotes and one stage direction if you can think of any famous shakespearean stage directions that's probably it and i'm going to ask you to give me the play now i'm going to be generous and i'm going to give you the list of plays now i will skype them over to you but i will also read them out for the benefit of your listeners so the plays are the winter's tale hamlet richard the third the tempest a midsummer night's dream 12th night macbeth because obviously mm-hmm. titus andronicus which is the shakespearean equivalent of game of thrones richard ii and julius caesar
3: all right without further ado won't you take it away
4: okay so this is question one be not afraid of greatness some are born great some achieve greatness and some have greatness thrust upon them question two yeah villain i have done thy mother (laughs) question three double double toil and trouble fire burn and cauldron bubble
2: that's good great
4: The play's the thing, wherein I'll catch the conscience of the king.
2: (laughs) Simpsons, Matt?
3: (laughs) Yep. All right.
4: Number five, I will tell you, is the stage direction. Should be fairly obvious. Mm. Exit. Pursued by a bear.
1: (laughs) You've got this one right.
4: How beauteous mankind is. Oh, brave new world that has such people in't. This royal throne of kings, this sceptred isle, this blessed plot, this earth, this realm, this England. I can think of a really easy way to improve that quote. What visions I have seen, me thought I was enamored of an ass. (laughs) Cry havoc and let slip the dogs of war. A horse! A horse! My kingdom for a horse!
3: Okay.
5: So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All right,
3: looks like all the answers are locked in. So uh, let's review these and see how we did.
4: Okay, number one was be not afraid of greatness. Some are born great, some achieve greatness, and some have greatness thrust upon them. What did you guys say?
3: Uh, me and Jeff thought this sounded like one of the Richard ones, so we're going uh, Dickie 2. Uh, Matt and I uh, kind of bonded over uh, Amanda
0: Bynes and Channing Tatum in uh, She's Like the Man. We thought that they said this quote in that movie, which was a
2: adaptation of Twelfth Night.
4: I couldn't tell if you said that quote or not, but it is indeed Twelfth Night. Mm. Well done.
2: I believe it's just She's the Man. What did I say? She's like the man. Oh, is that what I said? A little different. Yeah.
4: Question two was, Villain, I have done thy mother. Let it not be said that uh, your mother jokes are a recent invention. <laughs> it's a genuine quote. I've checked it in my own copy of the play.
3: Uh, me and Jeff uh, just kind of had to uh, fit some of these in, so we went with Titus Andronicus. Uh, yeah, we went with uh, the
0: same Titus Andronicus. Uh, there's a lot of like uh, parental uh, mother stuff going on in that one. That's why we went with it. So.
4: <laughs> you are both correct. It is indeed Titus Andronicus. There is... It is very much a Shakespearean Game of Thrones. There's a lot of um, incest, and a lot of murders. It wasn't put on for quite a long time because of just how utterly violent it is.
3: Well, that was lucky Question... on our part. Yeah, and Titus andronicus is also a
2: pretty good indie band. Go mm-hmm. ahead. That's how I know the name.
4: Question three is double, double toil and trouble, fire, burn and cauldron bubble. Probably, I would have, I would, from my perspective, I thought this was probably the easiest mm-hmm. of them.
0: Yeah, this one uh, we, we got right away. We knew uh, that it was spoken by Julius Caesar. Just kidding. Uh, it is
3: it is the three witches in Macbeth. Yep, I know Macbeth probably the best out of any Shakespearean play, and it is Macbeth.
4: I did. T- I did. This is actually the last one I put in because I knew I have, wanted to put a Macbeth quote in, but I thought I need to put in at least one eminently recognizable quote right. in there, and it is indeed from this one. Yeah, it is Macbeth.
0: Have I spoken about the fact that I was in Macbeth as a homeless street drummer? Or no? It was, an, it was at a college so they made yeah. up the well yeah so it was at colleen's college uh dominican and they did a modern gang version a street gang version of Macbeth, and they wanted some uh backing music basically some backing track and they hired me to be up in a perch uh with no shirt and a sleeveless uh like um your back tattoo for all all to see yeah back tattoo for everyone to see was and i played a back bucket tattoo? Uh, no no uh, I, had, I had the back tattoo and I had like four buckets like a drum set and I was just oh. playing every time there was a fight scene I, go, <laughs> I
1: always the, imagined it's like you and Nick Cannon up there together just like with a drum line wilding you out yeah. Yeah. make yeah. some Pretty real much. money at an L station That's it.
4: question four the play's the thing we're in I'll catch the conscience of the king what did you say for that
3: um, this is prominently used in a Simpsons episode where they uh, parody Hamlet so Hamlet Yeah, Matt didn't get the Simpsons reference initially, but this is
0: uh, probably my favorite Shakespeare. I always—I forgot when he said the plays the thing. I remembered they put on the play to catch the king, so uh, Hamlet.
4: It is indeed Hamlet, referring to the play that Hamlet Hamlet sets on during the show, uh, during the the play itself, in which he hopes to get Claudius to incriminate himself. Hmm. Question number five: the stage direction. Exit pursued
1: by a bear. Eddie had mentioned earlier that he thought the uh, Macbeth one was the most obvious. Uh, if you're in this studio and you've been in Neil's house for any amount of time, uh, he has a poster with like famous stage directions from Shakespeare plays, and there's only one with one cell, and it's this one, and it's the reason that we and at least specifically I remembered it's the Winter's Tale. Yeah, same thing.
2: Uh, Winter's Tale is the one we locked in first. Is it Shakespearean well, I- deaths? I can't remember
0: deaths yeah it's yeah. a poster of all the different deaths yeah
4: well i have not been in the home, so i had no idea it was going to be as <laughs> obvious as that but yeah it's pretty much the most famous stage direction ever probably mm-hmm. and it is indeed the winter's tale question six uh, how beauteous mankind is a brave new world that has such people in it and this is the quote that obviously gave the title of brave new world than the novel uh what do you say for that
3: uh, this one's pretty much a guess uh just one with uh jc julius caesar
0: Yeah, this one, uh, I couldn't remember if it was exactly right, but uh, the play The Tempest uh, deals with a world, uh, like sort of an island uh, with magicians. Uh, I was disappointed I couldn't see Teller's version of The Tempest here in Chicago, so it it made me think of that. So we went with The Tempest.
4: Neil and Matt are six for six. It is indeed The Tempest.
2: Uh, Rephrase, that's Neil is six for six, and I'm also here.
4: Question seven, which has actually cut across two lines, really, but still, uh, this royal throne of kings, this scepter thou, this blessed plot, this earth, this realm, this England. Uh,
3: again, just a guess. We went with the twelfth night. Uh,
2: this one we're not. We're between. We think it's a Richard, and we weren't sure if it was two or three, and we went with two for this one.
4: I was slightly concerned about about including both the Richards, but I thought that the quotes were themselves were too good not to include. Um, unfortunately. Jeff and Ken had already given the correct answer to this one to question one but Neil and Matt are correct. is All Richard right. the second which bodes well for a future question I'm sure <laughs> <laughs> question eight what visions I've seen before I was enamored of an ass yeah I was
3: pretty sure this was from Midsummer, uh, just because I know that's comedy and it did uh, kind of ring familiar and I've, I've seen a Midsummer Night Dream movie yeah, uh,
0: Colleen would have been very angry with me if I got this wrong, because she directed the Midsummer Night's Dream, and I was in the Midsummer Night's Dream, so it is a Midsummer Night's Dream.
4: I was not deliberately playing to Neil's strengths here, but yes, again, you are <laughs> right, you're correct, it is a Midsummer Night's Dream.
0: I was Oberon, though, to be fair, so it wasn't like I knew the line
3: perfectly.
4: Fair enough. Question nine, uh, cry havoc and let slip the dogs of war.
3: Um, for this one, I remember we had a question about this before at our own trivia nights. And I think we were between Julius Caesar and Richard III. I can't remember which one we answered and which one was actually right, (laughs) but we went with Richard III.
2: And we went with the other one. We said this was Caesar.
4: And it is again Neil and Matt who get the points there. I'm afraid the coin flip gone the wrong way again for Jeff and Ken. So question 10, the last one. And if you've been keeping track at home, you can probably tell what... (laughs) which team has the points on this one as well. A horse, a horse, my kingdom for a horse.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes, this, for us, this was Ricky 3. And what was
3: left for us was The Tempest, though I didn't think it was right.
4: It is indeed Richard the Third. Well done, Neil and Matt. You've maxed out the round.
3: I felt pretty good about that.
0: Um, knowing it was Shakespeare, um, was a little unsure, but we talked it out. felt good. And uh, if this was a Shakespeare play, uh, one of the four of us is going to be dead by the end of this,
3: so... Maybe all of us. I hope it's me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. After that round, uh, we racked up an additional 25 points for a 55 total. Okay. We racked up an additional 50 points for a solid uh, even 100. Well, it's going to be an uphill climb, but uh,
0: mm-hmm.
4: I'm sure
3: Addie's going to be leaning towards me and Jeff in round two.
4: <laughs> Absolutely. Of course I am. Uh, okay. So round two, question number one. It's in music. Which band shares its name, one letter removed, with a United States Air Force base in southwestern Germany? The band are named after a 1988 disaster at the base that killed 70 people.
0: That's fine. Uh, we'll go with uh, uh, Audio Slave.
1: Okay. I, th- I, think th- I think there's a Ramstein or Ramstein Air Force base. Oh my god, that's what I wrote so down. We so said, we said Ramstein.
4: Points this time going to. Oh. <laughs> Jeff and Ken, because it is indeed Ramstein. I was going s- to Ramstein Air Force Base, yeah. the industrial metal band who I absolutely adore. In we're, fact, I yeah. think
1: Neil, they scrambled them well. They scrambled jets from Ramstein Air Force Base in the 1997 Harrison Ford movie Air Force One. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were. That gonna...
4: was a bit of a bit of reference I was going to give because that's where I have I have heard the <laughs> band's name before. I mean, I love the band, but that is where I've heard them in pop culture. Well done.
3: That was my bad. Man, I'm pretty I'm familiar. familiar with a bit of Ramstein. That's okay.
4: Question number two in round two. Which Celtic goddess was the protector of horses? She's much better known today for sharing her name with the most famous horse in video game history.
3: We're locked in.
2: Okay. It's a famous horse. video. Um, I mean, if it's the horse that Link rides, I think it's like Aponia, something like that. Aponia? Aponia? I think so. I think that's the name of the horse.
0: I mean, that's good enough for me. I, I don't know a video game horse, so... Yeah, I oh.
2: think I I know that's the name of the horse in Ocarina of Time. Okay, Aponia. Yeah. Okay. But... <laughs> uh,
3: we went with something pretty close to what they said, but Ipona. Uh, mm.
4: The answer is indeed Link's horse, Epona. So um, mm. I'll need to to leave it to you guys to see whether or not Neil and Matt get the credit on that for being close enough. It's Personally, a... I would say yes, but it's you, up to you wrote you guys. it. Eponia. I put
2: I put a Y in there, so that's probably not. Yeah. It's up to you it's guys. Wrong. It's wrong, yeah. <laughs> it's wrong, this is not uh, my round. <laughs> I'm so close fair enough. to being right
4: you. are very close though, Apoda was actually a fertility goddess, but she much more associated with cavalry and horses. Weird, a very unusual goddess, and then she was actually worshipped throughout the Roman Empire, including in Rome itself, and also in Britain. Um, originally originated, I think, in France, but that's quite unusual, because most mm. gods were much more localized than that. Hmm.
3: Do you guys hear the sound of a very faint ocarina in the distance? <laughs>
4: Instantly, I actually got this question, came up with this question because I was playing the Zelda games on the Switch, and I was just really curious as to what the etymology of Epona's name was. Mm. I looked it up and saw it a goddess of. That's a quiz question. Pretty cool. Right, question three is probably one of the more difficult questions in the quiz. Uh, it's about down. me, <laughs> well, my famous ancestor specifically. Uh, in 1875, my most famous ancestor was a Captain Matthew Webb, and he became the first person to do what unaided? It took him twenty-one hours and forty minutes. The world record is six hours and fifty-five minutes. Mm.
1: We're in. Does that make sense in the modern context? I'm yeah. trying to think about I how. I think so.
0: Okay. He's not the first person to climb Everest. That's that uh, that other dude, right? Mm. With the uh, the initial, George Everest.
2: Yeah. Huh. Georgie Everest. Um, He's also. We he wouldn't be the first person to swim the English Channel, would he?
0: I mean, that's not that's not bad. That's a long time to swim twenty-one hours, but. Um, I'll defer to you on it. No. I'm sure we're we're circling the wrong area. So
2: yeah, let's let's just say swim the English Channel and sure. move on.
1: And we said swim the English Channel.
4: Wow, points all round. Well <laughs> done. That
0: is very very redemption impressive. for the first I one. Your,
4: I, I wasn't sure if you guys are going to get anywhere nearer or if you're going to see swimming somewhere Perfect. or. I wasn't too sure how that was going to go. He was a complete daredevil of a man who actually, unfortunately, met his end trying to swim the the Whirlpool Rapids under Niagara Falls, which was a feat that many of his friends told him would be suicidal. Mm. And they were proven right when they found his body... Um, after he'd, he'd made the attempt. Um, God only knows what such a man would think of his descendant being a quiz host. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it took him 21 hours because he kept getting misdirected by currents. He kept getting stung by jellyfish.
3: That's oh, uh, uh, terrible. All
4: these things didn't stop
3: And, him. and now we have Michael Phelps's in the world who can do it in six hours.
1: Mm-hmm. I think Richard Branson holds it for crossing in a uh, amphibious vehicle at like an hour and 40 mm-hmm. minutes or something like that. So I was trying to figure out how long it would take to swim. So...
3: Just him and his forearms that were the size of gallons of milk. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I picture him. That's how Eddie's arm. Big hairy chest and a a curly mustache and just big forearms. That's how Eddie looks. Yeah. (laughs) That, like,
4: striped striped uh, onesie
1: uh, (laughs) swimsuit. Yeah.
4: Question number four. I'm going to give you five characters from a Canadian TV series, and I want you to tell me which actress portrayed each of them. In the US, this show aired on BBC America until it ended in
1: 2017. Oh. I think I already know.
4: The characters are Sarah Manning, Cosima Niehaus, Alison Hendricks, Rachel Duncan, and Helena. You
3: know this one? I'm pretty sure, yeah. I don't think I've seen this.
2: Oh, it's Tatiana Maslany. Okay. (laughs) Neil's face when he said that. Hilarious.
0: Yeah, I, I haven't seen the show, but uh, the actress is uh, <laughs> Tatiana Maslany, and she played uh, all those characters in *Orphan Black*. Yeah. So we want Tatiana Maslany.
4: Yeah, you see, this is why this sort of this is why I didn't really need to be too worried about putting in really, really difficult questions because I had confidence that you guys would be up to them. It is indeed <laughs> *Orphan Black*. It is indeed Tatiana Maslany. I wasn't sure there was going to be a little bit of deliberate misdirection mm-hmm. there over the fact I was giving you five characters, but you all you all immediately jumped on the fact that yeah, it's one actress playing. Five characters playing the same five characters, the oral clones.
0: Well, um, we're going to have to go tell our clones in the other room recording our second episode of the day uh, (laughs) that we got that one right because they'll be uh, appreciative. The workload's
3: been much simpler since we enacted that policy.
1: She's uh, exceptionally versatile in that show. Oh, she's a great actress. She's absolutely phenomenal. Very good.
4: Right, question five. Uh, Again, what would be the listener submitted question? This question comes from the BBC. It's a question that I was asked in my only TV quiz show appearance to date. And if you have seen that show, um, then you probably already know which question this is. I'll explain why when I give the answer. So here goes: What six-letter word can go after bed and before sheet to form two new words?
3: All right, is after six-letter word after bed and before sheet. I, I I have no idea on this one. Let's let's draw a line through the box.
2: Mm.
0: Uh, so, yeah, I happened to see uh, Eddie's appearance on this show. Uh, I enjoy this, uh, this show uh, from over the pond, and uh, I remember how how disappointed he was in, uh, with this question, and I kind of locked away my brain, and I believe it is uh, spreadsheet and bedspread. So, spread.
4: Yes, this is a question I famously got wrong. Uh, and it left me one question from el- uh, from elimination of the show. In fact, I would have been eliminated from the show had my opponent got it right as well. It was a puzzle game in which... Uh, they were. It was best of five of these puzzles uh, before and after, the word that goes in between. And despite the fact that I work with spreadsheets all day, every day, um, yeah, I managed to somehow completely, I got this one completely wrong. The answer is indeed spread.
3: All right. So um, telling the scores up to this point so far, uh, Team uh, Jaegerbomb has 95 points. And uh, we're creeping up here on it with 130.
4: Question number six is a question about the samurai. I'm beloved of the samurai. Um, I'm a big fan of, of their history, um, as some people will know. In 1582, the samurai warlord Hashiba Hideyoshi captured Takamatsu Castle in a very unusual way. In Greek and Roman mythology, the same method was used by Hercules to clean the Augean stables as part of his 12 labors. What was that method?
3: So I'm not too familiar with the Herculean myths, so that's not helping me too much. Mm-hmm. I know I'm going how to... How about go. this? Do you
2: have an idea? No. I okay. can't think of any. Right, we're locked in. So how would Hercules clean a stable?
0: I don't know. I feel like he did one of his 12 labors was with ropes or like uh, pulling something like a... Mm -hmm. talk of war like a pulley that was me at the gym just working on my back getting some rows and doing a row yeah um how did he capture him yeah i i know i'm gonna know it because i i used to know these uh herculean uh steps but you just want to go with like um something with with ropes
3: i do something with ropes (laughs) all right uh we said that maybe he uh redirected a body of water like a lake or river and flooded it
4: Excellent work from Jeff and Ken. Mm. That is exactly what he did. He redirected local rivers to flood the place. Mm. Uh, In Herculean, uh, the Herculean thing, uh, it was meant to be an impossible task because of how many uh, horses there were and just how active their metabolisms were. Um, The samurai took the castle. It was a a landlocked castle that he created an artificial lake surrounding it by redirecting (laughs) local rivers. Um, And so when a reinforcement army turned up to try and uh, break the siege... They found themselves stranded on one side of this lake uh, that they couldn't get past. Um, and the castle was taken almost bloodlessly when the leader was allowed to sail out in a boat into the middle of this lake and kill himself. Hmm. And everyone else in the castle was spared.
3: Well, to be honest, I wasn't so sure about my answer. Um, but I thought, what would I do if I was a little more ruthless and uh, had resources? And uh, that's what I would do.
4: <laughs> All right, Question seven. Is in definitions I'm gonna give you the definition of a word and from you I just need the word so this word is a political position developed in 19th century Britain taking the form of opposition to the dissolution of legal separation of church and state
2: we're locked in is that something just like a separationist no they have they have a name it's like
0: oh I oh yeah I know it's like that weird uh, that unique name
2: Name, and I don't think we're gonna get it, yeah. So let's say, uh, a, 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 I don't know, Charlie. You said first, yeah, a Charlie. Okay,
3: um, we felt like you uh, heard the question maybe a little differently than we did, mm-hmm. and where you said political position, I think you thought like a specific person filling a position, mm-hmm. but we meant or we took it as a political stance and we went with anti-disestablishmentarianism.
4: Yeah, this is basically a challenge to see partially if you could actually say the word. It is that famously long word, Hmm. anti-disestablishmentarianism. I have called two of my pub quiz team names that in the past. The first time, it was forcibly changed. The second time, (laughs) it was uh, a barman who couldn't pronounce it at all, but the bar staff were choosing the best team name, and they found it hilarious, and I won free drinks because I got the best team name prize. Nice. It is anti disestablishmentianism. Cool. On both occasions, I threatened to come back the next week with hyperpolysyllabic sesquipedalianism, No, which I'm means afraid of that. A person who really likes using really long words.
2: And I was thinking of think Tory, is the word I was thinking of, which is not the same thing.
1: <laughs> I thought uh, hypopotamant was someone who was afraid mm. of long words. He, that's not what he said.
4: Ah. So phobia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if if it is phobia, then it's afraid of long words. If it's a it's someone who really likes using them. Ah. So question number eight. What strong drink, previously banned in the United States for many decades, takes its name from the scientific name for the plant grand wormwood. Oh yeah. It's yeah, uh,
0: yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. We're to it. Okay. Um,
0: yeah. You were talking about you think it's absinthe?
2: Yeah, it's it was they had like a fake version of it legal here for like a year once. And it wasn't. I had the special. real thing in England.
0: Mm. Uh, a friend of mine uh, that I've known for a long time, uh, had it for the first time the week before and woke up naked in a
3: stranger's house with flowers in his hand.
0: Yeah, so, so
2: we said absinthe. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and every time I hang out with uh, Marilyn Manson, I uh, drink some absinthe with him.
4: It is indeed absinthe. Yes. Uh, this is a question that means, uh, It's a variation of a question that, um, that means a lot to me because of my first big quizzing jackpot win was because of this question. It was a, one off is a, a killer question. It's done at the end of a pub quiz that I go to um, of the non-winning teams. One team name is pulled out the hat and one person from that team goes up and answers one question in front of everyone to win a rolling 25 pound jackpot. Mm. Uh, in this case, it had gone up to 175 pounds and you're surrounded by people who don't want you to get it right because it rolls <laughs> over to the next week. Um, so yes, that was our first big um, first. That was my first ever big quiz win. Nice. When well, are we going question... to start
0: playing for money? Yeah, we only play for food. Like we never play for money. <laughs> yeah.
4: Question number nine, the penultimate question in the main game. Its capital is Castries. That's C A S T R I E S. Which country is the only country in the world named after a woman?
1: If you want, we can lock in. I, I can go through 150 countries before I figure out I don't still about know that
3: one, one in uh, North Africa.
2: Is that a country? Which one? I'm going to lock in with that? Sure. I uh, I give up because I'm going to sit here all day.
1: Yes, you
0: won't. So, work. yeah, we were between, uh, we thought it sounded Greek. So we, we said uh, Crete, and then Matt wrote down Cyprus. Uh, we just said
3: uh, Cyprus kind of made sense. I suggested uh, Georgia and Libya, and Jeff said no, so we're tapping.
4: It is actually in the Caribbean, and the country is St. Lucia.
3: Oh. Oh, it's the band, too.
0: I should have known that.
4: Right now, question number 10 in the main game is I'm going to read out a Bible verse. And this is taken from the King James Bible. And I'm looking for the book, chapter and verse. Oh and I feel like I should say this in an approximation of a posh English vicar's voice. Since this is a Bible <laughs> verse, here beginneth the lesson. And I will execute great vengeance upon them with furious mm. rebukes. And they shall know that I am the Lord. When I shall lay my vengeance upon them.
1: You good, Ken?
0: That is a tasty burger. I don't remember,
1: but that's the book.
0: Uh, it's from Pulp Fiction. I yes. I don't really care if they know. It's it's Samuel L. Jackson, and I can't. Uh...
2: I think I know the book. Is it Mark? No. Okay. okay. Is it? I think. Hold okay, on. Wait. I can't remember because we're
0: locked in. Okay. What do you think?
2: Is it? I think it's Leviticus.
0: No, well, Leviticus is well. Maybe I thought Leviticus is like don't uh, you know use threads two different threads in the same thing or the animal of a.
2: You do
1: know there are more verses than that in Leviticus, right? So the
2: thing about (laughs) it it, that phrase is pre-gospels because Mm -hmm. that's that's early Bible. So I think it's I thought it was Leviticus, like, but I don't remember which one.
0: Um, if yeah, it's gonna be up to you because I don't know any Bible verses.
2: Leviticus fourteen twenty two.
3: Uh, We were pretty sure it was Ezekiel. Mm, Um, I cannot remember the number. Uh, Jeff came up with the number.
1: I think 2217, but I can't remember.
4: You are so close. It is Ezekiel 2517.
1: No points. It is indeed
4: the Pulp Fiction quote from Samuel L. Jackson. And of course, Samuel Jackson's version of it uh, goes a lot longer than that, but that is the real version of the quote.
1: I'm so mad at myself. (laughs) Wait. Well, we
0: played. Uh, we almost played 50% both rounds. We did really well in the swing round there. Jeff and Ken were almost perfect that second round. So, um, Eddie, I don't think your game was too hard. I think we, we all had a very decent game here so far. But what are the scores going into the uh, final round, Ken?
3: So, uh, thanks, Neil. After the completion of the main game, uh, we have crept up on you, and we are at 125, whereas you are... Lingering at 140, mm. so maybe uh, maybe this final round can change our uh, horoscope. Yep,
2: makes me nervous mm-hmm. a little bit.
4: Right, so I will give you now the categories for the final showdown. So, category one, I promised I would include this category. Category two, over here, a pound sign is something else. Yep. Yeah. Category three, it's officially the truth this time. Category four, I can't see anymore, and it's all her fault. Category five, it could be you.
3: All right, all the bets are locked in, and I think something interesting kind of happened because uh, me and Jeff are doing the Oakland five all the way down, and uh, a little bit of a bolder approach from uh, Team Whippet doing the Addy ten all the way down.
2: We are clearly twice as confident as Neil. We go. Neil,
3: <laughs> so Neil just decided it's called the Addie 10 so they they got mm-hmm. 10s all the way down. Yeah, we love Addie here and uh, yeah, we wanted to name a, oh. name a wager after him so the so Addy 10. So let's, let's be I realistic, feel. the only one that's sticking is the Oakland 5 <laughs> yeah. because nobody can possibly remember all these other ones. Is that
1: the uh, is that the River 10s? Uh, yeah. uh okay.
3: Boo. See yourself out I of the studio.
4: 130 miles from me by the <laughs> way. Oh yeah. No, I know. Okay, so question one in, I promised I would include this category, and I have a feeling this may end up being the easiest question in the entire quiz. Which wrestler is the only person ever to have been inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame twice? He went on to voice Commander Douglas Hill in the 2009 video game Command & Conquer Red Alert 3 Uprising. uh, Category two, over here a pound sign is something else. In 2006, who founded the hashtag Me Too movement? Question three, it's officially the truth this time. In his final appearance in a certain TV show, Glenn Matthews is revealed to be the fight, the real name of which character who had previously only been known by his occupation. Question four in I Can't See Anymore and it's all her fault, in 2018, Who became the first American woman to win the Nobel Prize for chemistry? At question five, it could be you. Which song by ABBA was their fourth and final top ten hit in the USA, reaching number eight on the US Billboard Top 100?
2: You can spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and get more time to actually play the games you love with the IGN Daily Update podcast.
1: And Jethro, box of oddities—that is
3: really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. The
5: Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media.
3: All right, all the answers are locked in. So let's uh, let's see how these wagers turn out for us. So, again, uh, fives all the way down for us, and you guys had tens all the mm-hmm. way down. Question one, please.
4: All right. so question one was, which wrestler is the only person ever to be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame twice? And he went on to voice Commander Douglas Hill in the 2009 video game Command & Conquer Red Alert 3 Uprising. What did you guys say?
3: Well, boy, we didn't know, but uh, we sure didn't want to miss a Macho Man question, and just in case one came up, so we want Macho Man. Yeah, Matt and I were uh, between Macho Man and Hulk Hogan uh, because of Hollywood Hogan.
0: Maybe he was inducted twice, but we ended up uh, going with Macho Man.
4: Well, I know, to be honest, absolutely nothing about wrestling. I've made my disdain for the practice known <laughs> on the Facebook group before. Uh, so I didn't really know how easy or difficult this would be, but I figured it might have been quite an easy question that it hadn't been asked before. I actually spent today listening to your wrestling bonuses, which are very good if you do like subject. It is actually Ric Flair, Mm. who was inducted in 2008 on his own, and in 2012 as part of the Four Horsemen.
2: That makes sense. Yeah, I said it might have been somebody who was in a tag team or a group or something, and that's,
0: That makes sense. I never would have gotten to Ric Flair, probably would have gone like Shawn Michaels or something. Yes,
2: Shawn Michaels was on my list.
4: Uh, Question two, over here, a pound sign is something else, um, which referring to hashtags, of course. In 2006, who founded the hashtag MeToo movement?
3: Uh, Couldn't be sure on this one either. Um, But one of the uh, celebrities who's been involved in this and has been very outspoken well before it uh, came into greater prominence recently was Rose McGowan. So we went with her. Yeah, uh, this person, um, she gives great interviews, uh, she made an appearance
0: uh, at, I can't remember what award show, it was the Oscars or something else, uh, she uh, was a date with uh, one of the celebrities there uh, to promote the message of Me Too. Um, I said the full name uh, when we were discussing, but I can't be sure her first name's correct, so I believe her last name is Burke, uh, so I'm going to officially lock in with Burke, but I think it's like Tanara Burke or something similar, so...
4: Neil is correct. It is indeed Tarana Burke. Oh, right. uh, the, the movement was, of course, became a lot more popular um, in the last couple of years, Alyssa Milano and the like uh, mm. promoting it, but it was Tarana Burke uh, back in 2006. And if you don't know about her story, if you don't know about the history of it, then please do check it out because it is really, really important. It's, it, it, it is just really important. Yep, absolutely. Category three, question three was, it's officially the truth this time. In his final appearance on a certain TV show, Glenn Matthews is revealed to be the name of which character who had previously been known only by his occupation?
3: Well, we struggled with this one a little bit, Um, just kind of naming occupations and stuff, and then we kind of got down a different route, and we thought maybe this was the governor from The Walking Dead, so we said the governor.
1: Ooh.
2: This is your story. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um...
3: Yeah, Matt and I were trying to figure it out of of, of
0: characters uh, that had a name. Uh, he first said The Smoking Man from X-Files. Then we kind of started talking about comedies. Uh, and then uh, I was trying to remember the TV show this actor was on, Neil Flynn. Uh, and uh, I remember on the middle, he was doing an interview or something, and he said something about, like, he was happy he had a name. And Matt uh, kind of locked in on that he was the janitor on Scrubs. So we went hmm. Scrubs.
4: Once again, Neo indeed has it. I did see his final his final appearance because that was technically the penultimate mm. season of the show. They did a, bit of a kind of a soft reboot yeah. uh, for the final season nine, but it was indeed the janitor we from Scrubs. We don't and talk about that season because the creator did because uh, the janitor himself gives a different name to someone else straight away afterwards. But um, the, the show's creators have confirmed that yes, Glenn Matthews actually is his name. Question four. Uh, I can't see anymore, and it's all her fault. This is a reference to the uh, Trivial Warfare running joke. Um, she blinded me with science. Mm. Um, the Thomas Dolby one-hit wonder, which is completely unknown in the UK. Doesn't really mean anything to me. So in 2018, <laughs> who became the first American woman to win the Nobel Prize for chemistry?
2: I, I feel like, you know, we should know these things, but we never do. Uh, I just locked in with Lizzie Nobel.
3: Yeah, I don't know anybody who won uh, any Nobel Prizes this year. Um but Jeff seemed to have seen this name and he just couldn't quite pull it, so unfortunately we had to tap out on this one.
4: Yeah, I, I have to admit this. The, the, I'm trying to get better on Nobel Prizes generally. I'm trying to get better on things like women in science generally. Uh, this is a name that I think we should all know. It's a, she won it for the Directed Evolution of Enzymes, whatever that is. Her name is Frances Arnold. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay.
0: Lock that one away. Yeah. yeah, we've been and, studying some of the older scientists, so that one threw us for a loop.
4: And question five, uh, which is, has probably the most obtuse category name I could think of. There is a reference to something in here. It's ridiculously obscure. It could be you. Uh, which song by ABBA was their fourth and final top ten hit in the USA, reaching number eight on the U.S. Billboard Top 100?
3: We just uh, picked one and went with Dancing Queen.
0: Yeah, uh, Matt and I were singing the right song apparently, uh, which was "Take a Chance," but we were we thought it was called "Changes" for some reason, so we wrote "Changes."
4: This appears to have proven a lot more difficult the final showdown than I had <laughs> um, anticipated, um, especially considering I did make it American based the ca- the song title the category name is a reference to the UK National Lottery, which had uh, its advertisements had random people uh, lit up by beams of light, saying it could be you. As in, a winner could be you. Song being, the winner takes it all. Mm.
2: Mm. Okay. I forgot about that song. Yeah. That Loser takes their, the fall, was, right? The same song. No.
4: That is one of their last big hits. Certainly was the last in the um, in the US.
3: All right. So, uh, following that uh, intense round, uh looks like we dropped 25 points to land at 100. And I think you guys only dropped uh, 10 points to land at 130. So... Congrats! I guess you are the cream, <laughs> cream of the crop. The cream of the crop. Thank you so much, Addy. Uh,
0: we had so much fun playing that game. I know you said it was going to be hard, but it was just the perfect <laughs> amount of uh, difficulty there. I mean, we were betting fifty percent going throughout the game. The final round was uh, was difficult and challenging, but uh, we learned some things, which is the most important thing on this show that we can mm. uh, you know stow away for next time uh, and like as, as such as uh, Francis Arnold and things like that. But um, uh, thank you very much for this game. It was so so awesome.
4: Thank you very much. Thank you for so much for having me on. I, I always try and write my games in such a way that even if you don't necessarily get the questions right, you always try and learn something from it. I write my games because I, I am an active player myself and I like to try and learn something as well. And yeah, I, I learned a lot in, in writing a lot of these questions and glad you did here and I hope that your listeners, um everyone out there, um enjoys it. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been it's a, it's, I love the I love the show. I love what you guys are doing. It's it's amazing.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thanks to you for joining us again. And where can people find your uh, Patreon,
5: Addy?
4: Yeah, you can find me Patreon at uh, patreon.com forward slash Addy's Proxy Pub Quizzes. And you can also find me there on Facebook as well.
1: All right. Well, we really appreciate you, Addy. Um, uh, really fun game. I loved it a lot. Uh, but I guess that does it for us. So on behalf all of... All good things come to an end. They must. All, all in time. So uh, on behalf of uh, Addie and uh, Neil, Matt, Ken, and myself, uh, that was Triviality.
0: All right. Number one, be afraid of greatness. Greatness thrust upon them. Um, I think th- no. This won't go in the air. But I think they said this uh, in just like a man, which with Amanda Bynes, which so is Twelve Night. Twelve night. Okay. night. Yeah.
2: Ugh, why did I know that?
3: <laughs> uh, you guys. <laughs>